before I left. I heard Don went real long, so he told me I had an hour and a half this morning, okay? Before I, before I left to go on vacation, I introduced to you, at least I tried to, a, a wonderful chapter, a chapter that deals on the subject of peace. And I tried to kind of bring into it that it deals with peace with others. How are you going to get along with other people? Dealing with yourself, the struggles of your own life, and then dealing with situations that come up, circumstances that, that seem to jump out at us, okay? And what I shared with you first was this, that, that peace, we have to understand that peace is a product of heaven. It can't be something that's manufactured in the earth. It can't be manufactured in your life. It's something that has to be given to us from God. That means that there has to be a correct theology or a correct understanding. I think peace has to have a foundation of proper doctrine. And so for us to have peace, we have to understand that it's because of a heart that's been made right by God's sovereign grace. If you're struggling in areas of your life, then the first question you need to ask yourself is, where do I stand with God? Am I truly born again? Has there been that moment in my life? Not that I've played church or went to church or even grew up in church, but was there that moment in my life when I realized that I was a sinner before God and what all of that meant. And God, through his grace, grabbed my heart. And God convicted me of the sin of my life and then drew me into repentance and faith and through his grace saved my soul. You have to know, first of all, that you're saved. And then secondly, I mentioned to you, that you have to know what that salvation means, that your sin has been removed, that your unrighteousness has been removed, and God has deposited Christ's righteousness into your life, that you're accepted based upon what Cheris was singing about, not based upon any goodness of your own, any merit of your own, but you received based upon his goodness and his merit. Now, once that's done, Philippians chapter 4 can work for us. It's a chapter that's written for believers. As I was trying to, this week, write down some of the thoughts maybe that I, God wanted me to share, I, I, I thought, you know, we, we live in a world of instant, don't we? I didn't grow up that way, but over the course of the last 40 years of my life, everything became instant. We have instant grits, you know. Uh, everything's instant. Instant social media, instant this and instant that. And wouldn't it be good if we could take a pill, instant peace, and take it and bam, you got it. Uh, unfortunately, life isn't like that. And uh, the Bible doesn't talk about it that way. The Bible tells us, first of all, that Christ has to be the source. And then the Word of God gives us a solution to it. And I want to tell you, gang, I, 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 I struggle sometimes with peace as you do. 
And I, I found myself in Washington, D.C., knowing we went the week when all this began to shake itself out, you know, and of course I, I was so worried that I was going to see a rainbow White House, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and there would be such of these strong exhibits and, exp you know, and all that. We didn't get any of that, thankfully. But I, I, I wondered, God, what is our world going to come to? And then I, I came home from the trip, and I saw the great monuments, you know. You need to go do that uh, at least once in your life, and then take two weeks home to rest because there's a whole lot of walking. But I, I saw all of that. Then I came home to where I felt like I belong, and I began to take God's Word. And I began to study again this wonderful chapter. And I began to realize, you know, Tom, the only place that you're going to find peace is knowing that you're in Christ and what that means. And when you do that, then the fourth chapter, Philippians, can begin to make some sense. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? And let's read the first seven verses today, and let me kind of see if I can share what's on my heart, okay? Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way, number one, he tells us, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Tom, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And then verse 7, the great summary. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I love you. And I pray, God, you'll help me today to, to share some of what I've studied. And I, I pray you'll help me share what the Holy Spirit desires to be communicated and only what he desires to be communicated today. I thank you for these that have come. And I thank you for our church, Father. I thank you for, Lord, while we, we know there are so many imperfections, God, in Christ we're perfect. And in Christ there's so much we can do to reach so many people with the blessed news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for their faithfulness. Pray, God, you'll bless our time now in Christ's name. Amen. All right, thanks. Be seated. Keep your Bible open. We're going to close this morning on the summary in verse 7. But I'll tell you what I want to do. I, I want to I challenge you with three statements and try to answer this question. What must we do to find peace? What do we do to find peace? peace, okay? Now, did you notice in our reading the three times, verse 1, 2, and 4, David mentions in the Lord. He's telling us that if a believer is going to have peace in the world that is opposed to Christ, then that believer must understand 
who he is in Christ. Last night when I was getting ready to go to bed, that those words in the Lord was just on my mind over and over. In the Lord, in the Lord, in the Lord. What does it mean to be in the Lord? And I remember uh, reading through the Old I love reading the stories of the Old Testament. And I remember reading about King David. And, and several times in King David's life, uh, when he was in the messes that he was in, sometimes running from Saul, sometimes messes of his own doing, the Bible would repeatedly say, David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I'm not a theologian. Uh, I do know what the scriptures tell us. In fact, Jesus said, in this world you'll have tribulation. Let me tell you what I went to bed thinking. That if I can, as best I know, live my life inside the will of God, then I can encourage myself in the Lord. And I can handle some of the challenges that I see coming into my life or the challenges perhaps that come into our church or the challenges sometimes that we see happening in our world. As long as we can say that we're in the center of God's will, then in the Lord we can have peace. Now that doesn't mean, gang, that everything we do is right. In fact, I, if I were to make a list of my life, I would probably have a short list over here where it says good and then a long list over here that says bad. But at the same time, I have to be able to look myself in a mirror and I have to be able to say, as God, as best I know how, where I'm living my life right now, I believe I'm in the center of the circle of your will. And if I can say that and understand that, then regardless of what may come and the challenges what may come, I can say that I'm living safely with God. And I think the whole source of chapter 4 is built around the idea that we are in the center, or as best we can, live in the center of God's will. Now, if I can say that, what does that mean? Well, look at verse 1 with me, first of all. Because the first command that he gives to us is to be strong. Therefore, and notice the tender. Let me tell you what I think. I think this church was Paul's favorite church. I think he loved all the churches, okay? But look at, my good, look at verse 1. My beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown. Do you have a sense of a pastor who's in love with his church? You know, uh, he's bragging on. The, his heart is with his people. And that's how we feel here, by the way. And notice the command. Stand firm in the Lord. I think a couple weeks ago I gave you the term steadfast, okay? To be strong and steadfast. It's a military term, which means that God's church, as they try to shake out themselves in the center of God's will, are to be stationary, not backing up, not pulling back. In fact, it's present tense, which means daily, moment by moment. Experience by experience, challenge by challenge, 
We're to stand firm in the Lord. Maybe Paul was seeing a sense of defection here. I don't know. I think he knew this, and you need to know this, that God's people must stand together if they're going to be standing opposed to some of the things that's going on in the world. Uh, Isolation is never a good thing for a believer. God's people have to stand together. And one of the reasons why so many churches grow weary and take all the hits and, and get weary in faithfulness is because they tend to be isolated at times. I don't know about you. Over the last month, we've had so many things happen to our nation. And I, as I wrote this out, I jotted down Baltimore. I, 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 there's a lot going on in that situation. I understand that. I'm not political and all that. But I want to tell you, one of the saddest pictures for me was that, that picture where all of Baltimore's policemen were standing there with their shields. Then all of a sudden, they began to back up. Did you notice that? And as they were backing up, rocks were being thrown, and some of them were being hurt. Police don't back up. Somebody told them to stand down. Somebody told them to back up. They've been set forth by our country, by our cities, to stand and protect the people and squelch rebellion. And yet somewhere, somebody said, back off. And when they did, they began to be hurt. And the city began to be hurt. Paul would have never said that to the church. And beloved, I don't care what the culture brings. And I don't care that the minority seems to be vocal and the majority seems to be silent. We must stand and not give away our biblical values regardless of the attacks that might come. I got an email this morning from my son-in-law, and I don't know all the particulars about it, but a pastor was arrested and charged because he would not perform a gay wedding. My goodness, folks, is it going to come to that? And if it does, so be it. We must Never compromise biblical values. That's why Paul here says, stand strong in the Lord. I, I, I jotted down something Rick Warren said. I, I like Rick Warren. You may not. I, I do. I, I think he has a heart for God. I think he's a brilliant man. Um, and he wrote down something I want to read to you. He said, our culture has accepted two lines. Number one, if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must either fear them or hate them. And then number two, to love someone means you agree with everything they believe and everything they do. And here's what he said. Both of those statements are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. When we study the Bible, the most compassionate man in all the Word of God was the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you study his life, you know what you don't find? You don't find him compromising 
God's convictions. Our leader, Hebrews 12.3 says this, Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. He endured. He did not waver. And I believe if you're going to have and live by God's peace, the first thing you have to do, beloved, is you have to decide that you're going to be strong, not in your own abilities, not in your own strength, but you're going to have to be strong in the Lord. And when you're strong in the Lord, you can go to bed at night with peace, knowing that he is securing you. Second thing, look at verse 2. Not just be strong, but the second command is to be sweet. I urge Euodia. I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Now, frankly, we're not sure what the issue was between these two ladies. Paul lovingly, as a pastor, twice urges, I urge, I urge. I think we could be safe to say it's not a doctrinal thing because if it had been a doctrinal thing, Paul would have addressed it. Paul was strong on his theological doctrines. Verse 3 tells us that they struggle in the spreading of the gospel, which tells us that they, they really cared about the lost. And so the best probably we could come up with is they had some kind of a personality difference or perhaps their thoughts of how to do church. We're, we're colliding maybe because it was less than the most important thing, which is to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I asked myself, well, Tom, what, what can you learn? What was Paul trying to get at? And what can you learn from this verse? Well, let me give you a couple things maybe to chew on. Okay, First is this. Gang, you don't have to agree on everything to get along. How many have been married over 30 years? How many have been married over one year? Yeah, what did you learn? Keep your mouth shut, you know, right? You don't have to agree on everything to get along. You can disagree agreeably. Isn't that what someone says? The other thing, too, is that that temperaments are all different. God gives us different temperaments, and every temperament has positives, and every temperament has some, some minuses to it. And that's the way God designed it. It's not that anybody's right or anybody's necessarily wrong. It's just that we're all different and we accept the differences that come with different people. One of the things that I learned from Don, uh, with Don, working with Don, whatever, you know, is that Don and I are a lot different in how we view things. And uh, I guess it could frustrate him, may frustrate him, could frustrate me, but the fact of the matter is God designed us to be different and you can be different and you can work together if you're doing it for the glory of God, as long as it's in the Lord. Now, the word harmony is an interesting word that Paul uses. It's a word that deals with the mind or thinking rightly. It's, it's kind of getting hold of your head a little bit or getting your, your hands on your head and it's forcing yourself to think the right thing. It would be kind of like this, Paul coming to the girls and saying, come on, girls, think about what you're saying here. Think about what you're doing here. Is it really that important in the overall scheme of things? Maybe he's thinking, you know, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat. The, idea, the, the, the goal is to get the cat skinned. 
you know. By the way, do we have any cat skinners or cat lovers? I just probably destroy our unity, okay? Always remember, there's a larger picture, and there's always a bigger purpose to most of the things that we get caught up in God's church. I have to remind myself, man, we're here for the glory of God. We're here to somehow reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. I don't know all the right ways, and I could probably know more of the wrong ways, but the fact is it's a lot bigger than me, and it's a lot bigger than you. And I think Paul was trying to say, listen, if you want to have peace, then you're going to have to choose to think right. You're going to have to choose harmony, which means, like you learn in marriage, let some things go. Let some things slide. It's a lot bigger than just your own feelings. And then the third thing, if you look at verse 4 through 6, he tells us to be selfless. He tells us to, to just uh, back off a little bit. Let's read verses 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit... By the way, I just finished a book by, on William Tyndall. William Tyndall was a man who was responsible for translating... The, the Greek New Testament and the Hebrew Old Testament into English. We're indebted to William Tyndall, okay? Much of what we read in the King James and much of what we read in the ESV and the New American Standard has his phraseology in it. And when he was translating verse 5, he says, instead of gentle spirit, William Tyndall said, let your soft spirit. Boy, that, that, that grabbed me when I read that book. I... I I have to tell you, I asked myself, when people think of their pastor, do they think soft spirit or do they think hard spirit? Let your soft spirit, Tyndall said, be known to all men the Lord is near. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. One of my favorite preachers and favorite writers is Chuck Swindoll. And in his little book that he has on Philippians, he, he gave three, gives three words of admonition I want to give to you. He says, first of all, rejoice. 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 Again, we have a lot more to praise God about than we do to gripe to God about, don't we? Rejoice. Number two, he says, relax. Just relax. And number three, rest. It's almost like Paul is kind of talking to this church that he loves so dearly. He says, come on, church, focus with me here. Focus with me here. Rejoice in him. Just, just praise him. In all things, praise him. If you're in a bad mood, think of something good and praise him. You know? We live in such comfort. And most of our brothers and sisters in the world are living in such hardness. We have so much to praise and praise them in all things. Relax. Be gentle toward others. Take a chill pill. You know? 
You'll, you'll get over it five years from now. You won't even remember it. I, uh, I told you that I had bought a fishing boat, and the first time out, I, first time, and the only first time I ever had a new boat in my life. I was so proud. First time out, you know what I did? I hit a stinking rock. Dented it big time. And I'm just, well, first thing I want to do is just throw up. You know, and then I called Doug, and I said, oh, Doug, I can't believe what I did. You know, and he said, Tom, just relax, man. Relax. Take a chill pill. It's not a big deal. It's mental. It can be fixed, you know. Maybe that's what we need to do in church sometimes. Just, just take a chill pill, you know, relax a little bit. And then rest, which means just talk to God. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. Let me tell you, it was interesting to me as I studied through the passage that Paul gives three, these three admonitions right after telling the church that they had to be strong, like a military man, strong like, like, like a policeman. Now, beloved, listen to me. The church in the world must be strong today. We must stand upon convictions. We must be unwavering when it comes to biblical statutes, especially those that are attacked, be attacked and are being attacked. However, when it comes to the family, when it comes to the faith family, we're to be people of praise. We're to be people of patience. And we're to be people of prayer. And if we'll do those three things, then the peace of God will rule our heart. Now, if we were to adopt these commands, what should we expect from God? Look at, look at verse 7, and then I'll close it up, okay? Look at verse 7. If we follow, there's a lot of commands that he gives in the, these first six verses, okay? If we follow them, then I think it's always fair to ask from Scripture, well, God, what should we expect from that? And so in verse 7 is our first summary statement of the chapter. And he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts, which is your emotions, and your minds, which is your thinking part, in Christ Jesus. Some have taken that word peace in verse 7 and, and used the word harmony. And I think that's a pretty good term. Some have taken that and applied the word security to it. I like that. We need security today, don't we? Some have used the word tranquility, which is okay. Prosperity, I think, is good. Not in a financial sense, because they never knew anything about fine, good finances. So richness toward God. What should we expect? Well, we should expect something that God gives to us to make us handle the challenges that come to us. And because it's all present tense stuff, it would be daily. If we're going to be strong daily, then we should expect to receive from God daily what we need. Peace that is from God, divine peace. Remember what Jesus said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Divine peace. Distinctive peace. It's beyond full understanding. Have you ever been caught up in in something, a pain, a tragedy, something that just grabs your heart and grips your heart, and then all of a sudden something happens and there's just a, a peace that comes over you. What is that? That's the, 
That's God doing what only God can do. When Daddy died, I remember that moment, how tragic it grabbed. And then within the next few moments, how there just became a, a something I couldn't quite describe or something I couldn't quite define. Uh, something just kind of flooded over me. What was that? Well, that's that distinctive peace that God gives to his children. It's an out-of-this-world because you can't look to the world to get it, you see. But it's dependable. It'll guard your heart and your mind. It's a military term that God is always on duty. One of the most moving things that, that we did on our vacation was Arlington Cemetery. And probably the most emotional moment uh, was the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, everybody ought to do that. Uh, at least do it once. And uh, say so you've done it, but that 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 thirty minutes there has indelibly been written written on my heart. We watched uh, uh, the servicemen come out and and change the guard and the young man. Uh, by the way, there's some stringent requirements. Did you know that you have to be between five ten and six two to be a guard? That immediately eliminated our staff. You know. And you have to have a waist of 28 to 32, so if the height didn't get us, the width got us, you know. But this, this young man, I, I tell you, of course, my, my dad was a World War II guy, so it was really emotional, but he stood there at attention for 21 seconds. And then he backed up and turned and shifted the rifle and walked 21 steps, and then he turned and he faced the tomb 21 seconds. They do that 24 hours a day, every day of the year, regardless if it's 110 degrees or whether it's a negative 10 degrees. And I know it was symbolic. They were representing every serviceman and every servicewoman who had ever lived and died for their country. But I want to tell you, it made me proud. To be an American. And it made me proud to know that there are men and women willing to sacrifice. And, 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 and within our church family, as time goes on, there's probably going to be some of our very own men and women that's going to serve. And some may sacrifice for their very lives. It made me good to know that there was somebody watching over us. And then I came home and began to dig this out. And I thought, oh, even better than a guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier is my heavenly father who stays guard over his children regardless of what comes regardless of what pain regardless of what challenge we face God is always at his post and that gave me great comfort and so he tells us, first of all, that we have to be strong. And we will be. We must be. He tells us that we have to be sweet. And I think that may be a challenge to us at times because of personalities and desires and ideas. But we have to be. And we have to be selfless. We have to remind ourselves 
It's really in the final analysis. It's really in about me. It's not about you. It's about him. If we keep the main thing the main thing, then the peace of God will rule our heart. Hey, let's pray. Barbara's going to come for a moment and play softly. Made me proud to be an American this last week. Makes me prouder to be a believer in Jesus Christ. I hope you are. If you're struggling with the areas of peace in your life, then it's something you need to explore, okay? You need to think about it. If you're struggling with someone, then you need to think about that. That's what Paul said, think about it. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord, that when we look out and see what we see and we get bothered by it, we can run home to the Word of God and realize that in the Lord it's all okay. Regardless of how the wind may blow and the voices may sound, in the Lord it's all okay. Maybe this morning there are some that wouldn't say it's all okay. Maybe because they're not sure where they stand with you. Help them to know. Show them they can know maybe other things in life have gotten undue attention instead of taking the chill pill and relaxing maybe you just get so caught up in everything so God maybe there's some today that need to just relax and rest pray to you and leave it with you and then go on about life Lord, these next few moments are your moments. We give them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heads are bowed.